Healing can happen when people share their stories. Welcome to Trauma, Trial, and Transformation. Discover true stories from those who were called to sit in the witness chair. Experience their journey through their legal process and beyond. This podcast brings to light the trauma and stress caused by testifying under oath and offers resources by talking with witnesses, key litigators, and mental wellness professionals to assist with different approaches one can utilize to prepare to take the stand and how to heal after the encounter. And now, here's your host, Juliet Huck. Welcome, everybody. Trauma Trial Transformation 2024. Holidays already seem like, I don't know, months and months ago. I guess they are a few months ago. But first, I want to take a minute just to thank everybody that supported us in 2023. It was a huge year for us. People that really had the courage to come and tell many tough stories. People that came forward with advice. And just the average person who just wanted to come and participate. So I'm really grateful. Just a lot of gratitude for last year and everybody who really wanted to just be part of it. And I've gotten a lot of comments on just how helpful it's been. And so I'm just grateful for 2023. And now we're moving into 2024. It still seems a little odd to me, but uh, it's going to be awesome. And we're going to do a little more random, not every week, but... Please stay tuned with us because we have some really amazing people lined up. So I always like to start with a question. I do have to ask is, have you ever been bullied at work or have you been in a situation where you want to speak up about something at the workplace, but you're really afraid about retaliation? Uh, in my own personal life, I've been through that and discriminated against for multiple reasons. You see it, you don't know what to do about it. So my guest today has got a really great background interesting story. She was a diplomat for the U.S. Department of State. She began her HR career as the diplomat in this uh, arena, where she tackled complex personal challenges negotiating at the United Nations in Vienna. She received rewards for her precedent-setting work in diversity and inclusion. She was on the advisory committee and a spokesperson advisory council member to end workplace abuse. Uh, She's recognized for her integrity and interpersonal skills. She has also been acknowledged for her creative approaches for recruitment as well as retention, which is always a big thing. Myself being a small business owner, that was always retention was always a tough spot to be in. Today, she's instrumental in fostering Walker Advertising's inclusive and award-winning culture. She has unparalleled reputation for navigating turbulence as well as change and nurturing positive relationships with colleagues at all levels of an organization. I'm sure I'm missing a few things here, but I want to welcome Kim Williams. Welcome, Kim. What a what a background. Oh, thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, I, I hope I I'm I read a lot. I'm hoping I hit at least the main spots, but I know you have a deep, much deeper resume than that. So I hope I I hope I did you justice. So <laughs> yeah. So um I want to talk about your own personal experience first. Uh we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, which I really found fascinating that you can be in a business that you've also had your own personal experience in. And I, I I can relate to that and empathize with that because I work in the legal field and I've had my own personal lawsuit. 
Um, but can you talk about your experience, negative experience in the workplace that that got you to where you are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, it was uh, starting with a new organization and within weeks starting to see real problems with bullying directed at myself and um, a number of targets who at that time I was witnessing was really just women. And so, um, yeah, I think for me that the real eye-opening piece is that up until that point, I had worked with a lot of folks who had high integrity, who didn't care where someone was in an organization. If something happened, then they'd pick up the phone and they'd address it immediately. And when this happened to me, and I, it was the first time I'd officially be kind of become a complainant, I really didn't have anyone I could turn to. I went to inside counsel, I went to board members, and I couldn't get anyone to act. And it really, at that point, opened my eyes to the experience a lot of other people feel when they go to HR and don't get support, and that there's actually millions of people out there who are in this boat with no guidance, no support, and a lot of really bad advice online that isn't helpful. Yeah, advice online is always a tough place to be because I, I'm fact-checked all the time online, <laughs> especially <laughs> especially by younger people. As soon as I say something, they're on the phone to fact-check it. And uh, But running my own company, I know uh, HR is, is a really tough place to be. Um, being in the middle, basically, right, of upper management to employees. And, but so, so what did you, what was your next step? So when I realized I was kind of on my own, I mean, I followed the advice I gave everyone, I, I started documenting. And so, um, you know, for most folks, you would document and share that with management, you'd share that with HR, I actually had to go directly to the bully, um, and to board members who weren't willing to act and inside counsel and, you know, with the full understanding that it's putting them on notice, you know, at, at the moment you do that, these are emails that can be discoverable. Um, they can start to, you know, they can travel, they can go to outside of an organization. And so I just had to get as clear and calm as I possibly could. And that can be a challenge in those moments mm -hmm. and just detail everything that had happened and turn all these invisible backdoor conversations into something that was real, tangible, and in black and white. So how did it feel not to be listened to? Um, pretty devastating, you know, um, because I think when, you, when you're looking at your job being on the line or your job is threatened, your whole life is threatened. You know, this, mm -hmm. this can have real impacts financially, which therefore impacts, you know, even whether you have health insurance, where you make your mortgage the next month, where your kids go to school. So, so it becomes very intense very quickly. And so that's already scary enough all by itself. <laughs> right. When you, when you come out and, and you make it very clear, like this is something's wrong. Everyone's acknowledging that it's wrong, but nobody wants to engage in that hard conversation. Um, that isolation on top of it can be really tough. And what we see with a lot of folks is some element of mobbing where, mm. you know, more than just ignoring you, there can even be kind of like a punishment, like how dare you make me uncomfortable? How dare you, you know, say this stuff out loud or put me in a spot where I'm going to have to do something I don't want to do. Yeah, that's, that's probably going to be the hardest part too, is that feeling like you're in the spot, like you said, the isolation, Loneliness, yet, um, you know, retaliation, right? I mean, you feel like the retaliation is going to be 
what what is it? The unknown is what's probably the the most feared, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, your mind will go in a million different directions, and none of them will be. This is going to end awesome. You know, it's going right. to yeah. Right. So, what did you did you have to file a lawsuit? Um, it did get to that point, um, but a lot of times I like to talk about the steps before the lawsuit. It's just so so critical. Um, okay. I'm sure you know, being an expert in this field, you know how you show up can really set the stage for whether things go well or not so well. And I've seen it from all sides. Uh, for example, you know, sometimes when people are really hurting and they're in the thick of it, they'll send like a 20 page email and there's just no details in it. It's just like this stream of consciousness because they're really, you know, hurt and upset, but it, it's not really telling you anything. And it doesn't make them look like this rational kind of credible person. Right. And it, right. it can do a lot of harm on the other side because, you know, HR management, they're weighing their next steps based on how you right. show up. And so if they think someone's going to come unraveled, you know, that it's not going to work in your favor usually. And so it's just really, really important um, whenever you start to run into issues. And I do this, whether it's somebody I'm helping, like if I'm starting to investigate something going on, you know, in my organization or in that case, it has it happened to me, is I do a very simple timeline. Just the facts, ma'am. I cut out all Timelines. The- yeah, <laughs> yep. and exactly. And, and it's, it's really, really critical to have that. So by the time you get to where you have an attorney, I had a phone book, a very clear, you know, um, concise communication that was like, here was the violations. There's no emotional overlay. You know, I had sh- I felt it, but I stripped it out of that written communication And then I immediately tied it to policy, practice, law, anything I could to show that the company was not following its own processes and and procedures. And then it's really important to also demand an investigation. And Mm -hmm. so not only did I keep my own records, um, but I had had pushed pretty hard. And, And what they originally came back with was, okay, well, this person's problematic, so we're going to get an executive coach to help, which is really common. And there are some amazing executive coaches out there, but a lot of times, like if you're dealing with someone, particularly a narcissist, you're just feeding their narcissistic supply (laughs) and it's really not fixing anything. And, you know, we wouldn't do that to a lower ranking employee who did the exact same thing. We would fire them. And, um, And so in my particular case, you know, I told them, I said, I acknowledge that you did this. It's not fixing the problem. This continues. You need to investigate. So they actually hired an investigator from the firm of the consultant coaching this, my boss, mm. <laughs> which is just like it, it, a laughable conflict right. of interest. And so right. I met with this person, you know, they, they set up a meeting and they're like, yeah, there's nothing really there. So we're just not going to do anything. And I'm like, you're adding to your own record. And I'm like, no, right. that's not going to work. And so they ended up hiring an outside law firm. And the investigation took months. Um, And part of the reason why is I think it ended up going pretty wide. And so there were two hangups with my particular situation. Um, You know, one, I I had mentioned retaliation, you know, that some of this abusive behavior was for me calling out things that were wrong. And the investigator came back and said, no, this person's just been mean forever. So it's not that. (laughs) Oh, jeez. And then the other piece is, you know, when I filed my initial complaint at the time, I noticed that all the targets were women. But then through the course of the investigation, men came forward. 
And so that that blocked, you know, a claim around protected characteristics, which is a real flaw in the U.S. legal system. And so when you strip those two things, that behavior is no longer unlawful. Right. And so I got, you know, a a very lovely letter um, and it sustained allegations of abuse, but said nothing unlawful had happened. Like, we're done now. And so needless to say, I did not expect things to get better after that. And sure enough, it quickly went south. And so I retained an attorney to help negotiate an exit. But by that point, I had so much information and it was a public organization, very visible organization. And so we basically took the position of, all right, we're going to do a Public Records Act request for a copy of this investigation, which we knew was going to have tons of horrifying information in there. And then we were basically like, if you want to hang your hat on this, if you want to say that defense is this person's just mean to everybody, you know, we can go public with that, you know, or Mm -hmm. you can negotiate with my client and, you know, agree to an exit package, which they did within 24 hours. Um, So, yeah. Let me, can I back up a second here? So um, uh, when you go back and talk about separating emotion, that is a tough, tough place to be. I mean, I, I had my own lawsuit. I was in a deposition and I'm in this business and it was probably the hardest thing I could try to do. I didn't, I don't even know if I did it very well because <laughs> you're so, uh, you know, you're just emotionally attacked, your integrity, your, mm-hmm. your character, you know. So how would you uh, suggest, what, what would you suggest to someone on, you know, not, you have just the facts, but when you feel attacked or you feel uh, like someone's going to take away your livelihood, how, how would you explain that to somebody to deal with their emotions? Yeah. And I think we all have different ways of responding. I mean, and for me, you know, a lot of times in these conversations, I was speechless. Like I just felt, you know, it was so out of the blue and it it was it just felt, I mean, no other word for me to say this, but like just crazy what was happening. Yeah. It was just, and so and, and even though it would happen repeatedly, it was kind of like the cycle of abuse. Like I would send this letter and then everybody would be nice and then it would slowly tick up and then all of a sudden, you know, it would come back again. And so even though I technically shouldn't have been blindsided, I always still felt stunned. And in some ways, I, I think that that was actually good, you know, that um, instead of fight or flight, I guess it was my version of uh, flight, but you don't say anything in those moments. You can't get in trouble. <laughs> so sometimes it is better to just bite your tongue. And even if you have to wait a day or two before you respond, try your best to do that. And so in my case, that just came naturally. And then I would go downstairs mm-hmm. and I would start drafting up all my specifics as quickly as I could. I would just get those yeah. pieces on there and I expect it to, I usually write in layers, you know, so my first draft is going to have emotion in it. It's going to be me in that moment. And I don't think it's possible to necessarily separate it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll come back in the next day, you know, sometimes, and, and sometimes you're not sleeping when this stuff happens. So it doesn't necessarily mean you'll have like, you know, a, a clearer mind. Um, right. That goes a step further. I would even say now, cause this was all pre, um, you know, pre chat GPT, I would even go into something like now, if that happened to me today and say, rewrite this draft and, and remove the emotion for it, you know, pretend you're an attorney and draft this, 
um, on behalf. And and you have some sort of feedback now that can double right. check. You. And so, right. but it's very formulaic at the end of the day. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just the facts, ma'am. Here's what, here are the events that happened. These are the violations. This is impairing my ability to do my job. And then don't yeah. add anything else. And then say, it's separating the uh, personal and business mm-hmm. side of life, right? I mean, that's that's uh, always a really, really tricky thing to do. So, so when you filed this lawsuit, what gave you the courage to do that? Um, my daughter. Um, I remember one of the worst moments through all of this. I was sitting in my car. I had just come home from work, but I hadn't gotten out of my car yet. And I was talking to someone very close to me who was telling me, you know, like too bad, you know, stop being such a baby. Um, You know, everybody deals with this and and pretty much told me I was a bad mom, that I was jeopardizing my my daughter's, you know, life and, and future and happiness by not just taking it. And I, you know, and it hurt and I was struggling with this, but at the end of the day, I was like, I wouldn't want this for her. I don't want her to enter a workforce where this is happening. And if I lose everything but my integrity, I can do this. I, I can't, I can't expect her to stand up for herself in the world if I'm not going to do it. Well, that's great. That's really, that's, that's where, yeah, I would think you'd be a better example by standing up for yourself and knowing that you are a good person and that you are doing your job and that some things aren't right. And when things aren't right, you're not just the one yak, yak, yakking. You're actually uh, doing something to make change. And that's, uh, that's one of the things I, I see even just like with, with uh, a little bit off shoot is like protesting, you know, it's like, you know, they just threw all the soup over the Mona Lisa and paint over the, the lion stat, one of the most historic fountains in Rome. And, and I never quite understood what is that really doing for us versus people going in and making a difference and showing them. So good for you for for uh, for really seeing that as an example for your daughter to be proud of you, right? I mean, that's that's what we're all here for, right? Is to have <laughs> kids work at things, right? So, um, so when you, I'm assuming you were kind of in a David and Goliath scenario, correct? It felt that way, yeah, yeah. And so, how did you hold up under the pressure throughout all that time? Like, what what did you do to take care of yourself? Yeah, that that is so critical, and you know, for me, it was counterintuitive. Because I'm sitting there saying, you know, am I going to have a paycheck tomorrow? Like so many times I'm I'm taking these steps and my hands are shaking when I'm hitting send and I'm expecting to get a phone call in two minutes saying you're fired. Get out of here. And and then who knows when you'll find something again. Um, but my body was just pumping with cortisol the whole time to a point where I wasn't sleeping. And so I would go get massages to pull that out of me and you know, sometimes the massages would stress me out more because I'm like, can I afford to be doing something like this? Well, right. Vicious <laughs> circle. Yeah. But I, I recognize that I had to fight in every way I possibly could to keep mentally and emotionally strong because this was a le- legit attack. It's a crisis. And you actually need to acknowledge that and treat it that way. You know, for me, right. it's the mental health equivalent. If I broke my leg, you know, I'm going to spend money. I'm going to do these things. And, and it did help, you know, it would, in terms of like those moments that kind of calm you down. I did tons of yoga too. Um, I did restorative yoga, which, you know, I could feel so different just walking out of that. And 
in some mm-hmm. respects, I actually think that one class like almost saved my life even because um, it made such a huge impact. Um, sometimes I would run or get on an elliptical to burn off my sad, angry feelings, you know, but like, I think it's really important to acknowledge how physical it is. It, you know, mm-hmm. you can't see Definitely. somebody going through it, but, you know, it really is wrecking your body and it is really critical for like your mind to be clear, to do whatever you have to do to give yourself grace, to recognize that you're doing something, you know, really intense and to, um, you know, build whatever support that works for you, you know, as a, as your own individual. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm so happy to hear you say that because that's really a lot of the purpose of this podcast is, you know, looking at more holistic ways to take care of ourselves in high levels of stress, which obviously, lawsuits are one of those big places, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, did so you went through deposition, correct? Um, I have been through them on other cases. On um, other cases, right. Yeah. So, how, would, how did you feel like your preparation was for your depositions? Did, was, did you feel like you had any emotional preparation just versus fact? So, um, one of the gifts of the State Department in going into diplomacy is that they murder board all of us right at the beginning. And so I don't know if, if you've seen some, it's not, it's, it reminds me of kind of prepping for trial a little bit. Um, I don't know what that is. So, yeah, we do it as part of press training um, because, you know, we go out all over the world and, you know, um, America can do a lot of controversial things. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> the, right. get hammered pretty hard in these press environments with TV right. cameras and all of that. And so basically this process is they bring you into a room in front of your peers, they put on big TV cameras and they ask you nightmare questions. And, you know, at first you're just like, you know, and you're kind of stumbling and you're, you're spitting out stuff or you're turning bright red. And then they stop at the end and they play it back and pause it over and over again while your peers point out everything you did wrong. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Highly unpleasant, but by around the fifth or sixth time, you don't really feel anything anymore. And then by the time you wow. go out and do it in person, you've answered these questions so many times or some variation of it that right. the charge has been removed. Right. And and I replicate this at home. Like I will sit down and take a pen and paper and say, like, what is the thing I'm most afraid of? Now, what are the questions around that? What, you know, what are they right. going to ask? And really think through your responses. And sometimes I'll even video myself answering it to see how I look as I'm answering it. And, mm-hmm. and all that feedback, because I think it is the unknown that scares the hell out of us, but that makes the process feel more known and more right. familiar. And it's not, it won't feel like the first time. And so yeah. it won't, completely kill off all the jitters, but I think it'll, you know, it definitely can help. Well, familiarity is is the key. You know, that's that's the unknown is but you know that that's similar to trial prep, although when I've prepped witnesses, because uh, sometimes, you know, we'll do like mock trials or something that, you know, test it where the person might not be more than likely wouldn't be live. They'd be, you know, show a video. But there's a very interesting balance when it comes to trial of head and heart. You know, there's um, jurors want to see, you know, I've worked on cases, oh, they're too stoic, and this one, they're too emotional, and they're too this and too that. And so, it's a very strange balance in trial, which I imagine you don't need to be as much when you're in front of the public, you know, to show. But sometimes you do, you know, you've got to show that you have a heart at some level. But so, when when you were preparing like that, um, again, 
dealing with the stress. That's, I always go back to like, how do you handle that stress? So it sounds like, is this what you were also doing with yoga and things like that, just in your own personal life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And and I think it's it's really okay to acknowledge that fear. You know, I talk a lot about um, the first memo that I sent, you know, after I'd already tried to get help from the board, tried to get help from other folks and nobody was there and I knew I was on my own. I mean, that memo I put together, like I was so scared to hit send on that. In fact, what I ended up doing is I was at my desk, I saved it in draft form, went out, got in my car. And as I was driving out of the parking lot, I hit send on my phone app. <laughs> and so like, I actually was like literally running away, you know, <laughs> and I was right. Just, because I was so convinced that I, you know, was going to be fired at this, and this was just a complete act of suicide, and nothing ended up happening. Um, but you know, and so, but I also have mantras that I would use, you know, and I would ask myself, like, if I wasn't afraid in this moment, what would I do? Right. And a lot of times that has been a pretty good guide. Or I try to remind myself that it's only scary the first time. And if you walk through this fire, like you won't be as afraid of it if it ever comes up, which is a form of defense in itself, because people can feel, you know, uh, how comfortable you are in a scenario like that. Right. And, uh, you know, I've also worked with people, too, where it's like, it's it's your story. It's your truth. You know, you shouldn't be put down for your truth and your story. And, you know, it's just I, I have worked with a lot of people in that sense of like, you know, knowing that they're going to be, you know, up there on the stand, you know, speaking. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, they're like, they've got the, the defense attorney or whoever cross-examining. And I'm like, just stay with your story. It's it's your story. Yeah. You know, the facts, that's why you're here. So, you know, I, um, I saw uh, where you wrote, there are employees who worry about retaliation if they speak about a workplace that is no longer tolerable. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here. But the world is decidedly changing. Uh, Massive shifts in labor markets, legislative actions. Then you said, this is great news for many of us as new lawsuits can serve as powerful conversation starters when tackling workplace abuse. Can you talk about that? I found that to be pretty interesting. Yeah, I think that's the good news that's out there that a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, yes, we we need to have anti-bullying laws in the United States. A lot of other first world countries have this. We don't. But without that, there still are a lot of avenues that folks do have. And um, right now, what we're, we're in is kind of like a very plaintiff friendly environment is what like mm-hmm. a lot of risk managers kind of refer to it that way. Right. And um, juries are incredibly sympathetic to this. And probably because this has happened to over 50 million Americans. So we all have that nightmare boss or that nightmare company we work for and we carry that pain forward. And so the odds of having a jury <laughs> that, you know, where people have had those experiences is actually pretty high. Right. And so what we've been seeing is like this, gradual uptick of jury awards that I think are astonishing. I mean, there was Mm -hmm. one discrimination claim, one individual filed against FedEx and the jury awarded $366 million. I I know that case is like, okay, wait a minute. Well, especially, uh, I mean, you know, again, being a business owner, I was sued twice by employees and, you know, uh, looking at it from the owner ownership or, or from the other side of the, the right, the head of the company, 
Um, I tried not to take it personally. You know, I tried to look at it as business. I didn't particularly agree with everything, obviously. You know, we had disagreement in the sense, but was also trying to figure out how to listen, you know, mm-hmm. listen to the complaints, listen to things. But, you know, you also sometimes get sideswiped where you're just like, okay, I, there's nothing I can say here, nothing I can do here. You're just upset and, mm-hmm. um, you know, had to walk away with it. I mean, how, how do you work with employees that, that, that don't know how to really separate the emotional side? They're just going to go for it, like the $360 million from FedEx. Like, they just, it's like, wait a minute, can we be somewhat fair here? Like, okay, we owe you something, but, like, can you talk <laughs> them off that ledge? I mean, is it doable? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a little bit of a mixed bag, and I guess unique to every conversation. But a lot of times, the the main pain point that I pull out of some of these conversations is people want to feel heard, and yeah. and that can be free. And there's been times where I have sat on calls way longer than I wanted to, where somebody's just spooling, you know, and they're repeating themselves over and over again, uh-huh. and. Yeah. And so there's a lot of power in letting them work through that process, not interrupting them, not shutting them down, you know, just like hearing them, validating their feelings, saying, I'm sorry that happened to you, you know, or I'm sorry that you're feeling this way. And then let them flame out, even if it takes 45 minutes or an hour. Um, it, ting- it it brings the temperature down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um and then that can, you know, definitely affect everything else. Because a lot of times if people are moving forward with these high dollar claims, there's intensity. But I think the other risk, and we, we saw this with, you know, Carol and Trump in New York, like they awarded more, you know, three times right. more than what was asked. And so that's right. becoming a real thing companies need to think about too. Right. Well, and it's, it is, you know, sometimes I'm sorry is the least expensive thing to say, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's okay if uh, you know is listening, listening and and saying you know I mean I I can say on my own I tried that and um, you know not everything's going to always work out the same for everybody but at the same time it's uh, it's you know a double edged sword across the board to to make sure but when you're bullied and you know I think schools could do the same thing you know it's like you know where are these kids I find that to be very interesting in the workplace and then. I've always, I've kind of always laughed. My my brother would say to me, he's like, oh, these kids. I said, you know what? I know you're tough on your kids, but those kids become my employees. And you know what? They are good kids. And I know that they're going to be great employees and they're going to do their jobs and listen to authority and do the things that, you know, so that, you know, that, that behavior transfers, obviously, you know, right up the ladder to adulthood. And, um, into the workplace, which I find it very interesting when I see high school kids. I'm like, wow, they're going to be a very interesting employee. <laughs> I've said that to myself many times. So, uh, you know, I, I was excited to see you had a quote on one of your pages that I have had stuck to my computer screen for years. It's yeah. my favorite quote. It's one of the reasons I totally was like, I can't wait to talk to her. And it's the quote that says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. And yeah. I... That quote comes up for me. I mean, I obviously see it every day, but when it comes at me again, I'm like, okay, what am I not doing and what do I need to seek? So I'm, I was happy to see that because it was a reminder of things I need to, to step into as well. So, uh, so you know, th- this this year I've been, um, I'm kind of on a little bit of a quest of like, if you could put a word to your journey through this process, could you put one word to it? Bravery. 
Excellent. Excellent. That is a beautiful, uh, that's a beautiful word I would have to say uh, for you if I was in the outside, bravery, courage. Uh, wow. You're really uh, amazing to stand up in that situation and, you know, hold out for others. And I know that the work you're doing is all based on your own personal experience, which I said at the beginning of this conversation that it always helps when you can bring your own personal experience into the situation. To me, that's what persuasion is, is when you can actually relate to this person sitting in front of you because you've been through it, right? Yeah. And so, uh, I, I think that's uh, that's a fantastic word. So, well, so we're going to wrap up here, but um, where can people find you? Uh, LinkedIn. You know, um, okay. I, I'm an old fuddy-duddy, so I'm not super active <laughs> on anything. And I have a teenage daughter who I think would be mortified if I got on TikTok. I don't know, but, you know... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm super active there. Um, you know, also active um, within workplace abuse. So this is a nonprofit that is um, sponsoring um, the Psychological Workplace Safety Act. Um, wow. it, yeah, just moved out of um, the Labor Committee in Massachusetts. So a thousand people um, testified in October to support this. It would be the first anti-bullying bill in the U.S. Um, oh. Rhode Island um, It's passed the Senate there. And so um, really excited. And, and that's something that folks can support from any state. Anybody can write in. Um, you don't have to be a resident of those states to support that. And um, we now have um, field groups like, uh, you know, volunteers in about 20 states that are trying to um, introduce these rules. And so I feel really optimistic, like people, they're finding their courage and, and you know, speaking about this stuff no matter what forum you gain so much power back, um, right. you know, right. it, it, it really is. It, and the scarier it is, the braver it is, you know, like my idea of bravery is not going to be like, you know, a Marine or special forces, but it, you know, the fact that we own our fear, we step into our fear and then the fear owns us less is a worthwhile process. I think for anyone. That's fantastic. Couldn't have been said any better. Do you think this may end up being national law? Um, that's the long-term goal is that, you know, we go state by state and even city by city, you know, um, in fact, Kansas city is one that they're looking at, uh, New York city is about to get a bill number. My 15 year old is getting ready to introduce it in DC, um, through the mayor's youth council. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. They do legislative training and they get to write bills and present them. So, so now where do you think they got that bravery? Right there yeah. from their mother, right? <laughs> you had the chutzpahs to stand up and look at where your kids are doing. I mean, like, you know, you would have just sat back like your friend told you to do. I mean, what a fabulous, fabulous story. So, well, Kim, I really want to thank you for today. This is a great conversation on just, you know, having the ability to to separate emotion and facts and try to get movement going in places without it being some kind of just whining, you know, um, mm -hmm. But something that's that's important, important to you, important to your livelihood, your family. So uh, thank you so much for coming on today. It's really been a great, great conversation to start 2024. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, everyone, um, bravery, that's our word today. And uh, I just want to put it out there to everybody that what did you do this last couple of years to be brave? When did you step in for someone else or... Step up for yourself, you know, to speak up for yourself, not just sit back and take it, you know, but to do it the right way and do it in a, in a very calm and 
human way. So I want to thank you for joining me. And remember, please go out and spread some love. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Trauma, Trial, and Transformation. If you want to share your experience as a witness, please forward your information to info at julietcock.com. For more information on Juliet's 30-year career in the courtroom, visit us at julietcock.com. There you can find your books, The Equation of Persuasion, and 50 Ways to Get Your Way, available on Amazon. Remember to follow and subscribe to Trauma, Trial, and Transformation wherever you listen to podcasts. The content, opinions, and information shared by the hosts and guests on this podcast are not to be considered professional legal advice or therapeutic counseling. If you need assistance, consult with a licensed attorney or therapist if you are appearing as a witness, experiencing emotional trauma, or are involved in any sensitive legal matters. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Thank you.